Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now here is this week's message. Today is the last part, the final piece of the series on becoming a vessel that can be used by God. Or as we like to call it, the Transformer Series. And that is pouring out your life in ministry as God directs. So that's, you see, that's, that's the fifth section here. Pour out your life into ministry as God directs. Now, I, this is, to me, very logical. And I've tried to even make it more concise on the next screen. Um, and this is, I think, real easy to remember. Just like pretty much one word from each thing. That is, we've accepted the way God made us. We've emptied of self to make room for God. We've allowed God to cleanse us. We've been filled. And now we're ready to pour. It almost sounds like a recipe. And you really only have to remember those five words. Accepted, emptied cleansed, filled, poor. It's really, it goes right in order. Sometimes we can do the right things, but for all the wrong reasons. We can witness out of pride. We can serve others so they'll think we're special. And we can go to church just out of habit and we can pray to get what we want. There's so much that needs done in the world, and it's tempting sometimes to just jump in where we see a need and do it. And that can be okay, but we have to first make sure that it's a need that God wants filled right now. He may have someone who has a need in their lives so that they learn that they need a savior, that they need salvation. So you have to pray. Pray, pray, pray. It's not always the right thing to just hurry up and do things as noble as that may be, and as, you know, it, it makes your heart happy to be able to do things for people. Um, God doesn't really want us to do anything for him. He doesn't need our help or our suggestions, thank you very much. He's the creator of the universe. He wants us to be available and to be ready so we can do his work. He can do his work through us. The first, the first uh, scripture we're going to look at is a real familiar one. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is a promise, an amazing promise 
promise. In here it says that he has plans to give you hope and a future. Future in Hebrew is a noun that means the end or the last time or a latter time. He's giving you hope for that last time, for that end time. We talked a little bit last week about what kind of parent would just toss their child out into the world uh, with no direction, no guidance, no equipment for the tasks ahead. So how do we find out what these great plans are? Do we really need to know? Do we know our life's mission? Sometimes not. There are some questions that we can ask ourselves that might help narrow it down for us. What would you want people to remember you for? Well, that's kind of morbid sometimes. But, you know, it's an exercise sometimes that they make you write your own obituary. But just think about it. What, what would you want to be remembered for? A nice car? Or that you were always willing to help and show God's love. What do you feel compassionate about? When you go to a bookstore, what section do you automatically go to? What do people compliment you about? Or what are you good at? What did you dream of doing when you were 10 years old? you may discover that that little child knew a lot more about who God created you to be than you realize. I always say that when you're young, that's when you're kind of closest to God. You've just come from him. And so you might, I don't know, you might know things without even realizing you, you know them. I've always thought that. If you could only do one thing all day long for the rest of your life, what would it be? Has God laid a special burden on your heart for a group of people or a ministry or even a country? What good is faith that never touches another person's life? What good is a vessel that sits on a shelf or a pew looking pretty? When God lays something on your heart, you have to pray. Make sure that you are hearing correctly. Sometimes the action God wants is years and years down the road. Sometimes you might not even know what it is. But you need to pray, you need to prepare, or sometimes be prepared. Because it's hard to be, it's hard to prepare for something that you don't know what you're preparing for. But God knows. And he will find a way to prepare you. Just because you're flowing where God directs, that doesn't mean that everything will flow smoothly. You will encounter bumps in the road, obstacles. There's a writing that, I've, that was in this uh, book, this How to Become a Vessel book, that I kind of really cared a lot about. And it's called I Will Do More. And it's from St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church. And I'm not really sure whether somebody from there just wrote it or what, I don't know. But it really made a lot of sense to me. I will do more than belong. I will participate. I will do more than care. I will help. I will do more than believe. I will practice. 
I will do more than be fair. I will be kind. I will do more than forgive. I will love. I will do more than earn. I will enrich. I will do more than teach. I will serve. I will do more than live. I will grow. I will do more than be friendly. I will be a friend. Think and pray on this, and then act. So now, we know God has great plans for us, and he will accomplish great things through us. So what's the tool that he used to accomplish much of this? Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. First of all, the, the word gifts here has a lot, a, a different meaning in Greek. Um, it can mean a gift given by God to bring honor to the believer. Now, that's not what it means here. It can mean a gift to God by the believer or just a gift in general. And that's not what it means here. This is a word in the Greek it's charisma, and it's literally a grace gift, a gift that comes from God and which could never have been earned or achieved or attained by man's own effort. Often the divine partition of a particular grace to perform a spirit-empowered service for the church. That's what this means. It's, um, there are more comprehensive lists, and, you know, I'm sure you've all heard of, you know, the gifts. They're sometimes called the gifts of the Spirit. They're in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12. The important thing is that Paul tries to get across the fact that you should not seek the results of grace, but you should seek grace itself. Don't seek the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues or, you know, the gift of uh, wisdom. Seek grace. And, and that grace can exercise itself as the spirit who gives it discerns the need. The demonstration of the grace or the gift of the spirit is not to be activated by you or by me, but by the giver of the grace, by God. Also in these verses, I think it's interesting that <coughs> this is one of the places in the Bible where all three members of the Trinity are mentioned. There aren't many of these places, but this is one of them. The Spirit, the Lord, which is the Son, and the same God. Now, in it doesn't look like it here, but that means the Father. There's a little um, uh, definite article in the he, uh, Greek that's before God that indicates that's God the Father. There's a special word. So all three of them are mentioned here. So, these gifts are special things. And sometimes they're used once because they're needed once. Sometimes you get them early in life. Sometimes you get them late in life. Sometimes you have them your whole life. 
It depends on what God requires from you and how he is equipping you to handle the tasks that he has for you to do. The important thing to remember about the gifts is they're not meant for you. God gives you a gift for other people. And if you don't share that gift, if you don't give that gift, it's gone. God will take it. It's meant for someone else to encourage them, to help them. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that the gift can be used, but there are really kind of nine basic gifts that are generally talked about. There's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, healing, and miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. If you read in the book of Acts, there are dozens and dozens of examples of the use of these gifts all through the book, from the first chapter through chapter 28. And I know you've always heard that we are an Act 29 church. The book of Acts is still being written. We still have those gifts. Sometimes we overlook them. We're so busy trying to find a reason for something that we overlook the fact that maybe it's God in our lives. Maybe it's a miracle. Oh, no, it must be something else. But maybe it's a miracle. And we're so busy trying to find another reason that we don't see what's right in front of us. How can we receive those gifts? Well, we ask for grace. Grace is something that is so valuable, and it's something you can't buy. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's just a gift, an unmerited gift. And the more grace that you have, the more you give that grace and you use that grace, and the more gifts that God will equip you with in order to do what he wants you to do. But, remember, a pear, a pear tree doesn't ask what it is. It just grows pears. And likewise, people will know what you are by the fruit that you produce. Pray and study God's word. The gifts that have been placed in you will surface without your having to force them out. They'll just be there. So <laughs> this brings us to the last scripture that we'll look at this morning. And that is in John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 14. If everybody wants to pull out a Bible, John is one of the first four books of the New Testament. <clears throat> I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is the last of the seven I am's that are found in John. And it's an important lesson in how we should live our lives. Christianity is not about performance as much as it is about relationship. It is about the God of the universe reaching down and initiating a personal relationship with sinful people like you and me. Our daily lives sometimes fail to reflect that ongoing relationship with God. When we become vessels that God can use as a natural extension of our life in Christ, it is to the Father's glory. And why does God want us to bring him glory? He wants men to see that we are his disciples so that they too will become his disciples. We, not, we may not think it's the most efficient way to do this, but this is the method that God has chosen to reach the world. He's chosen us. To reach the world. Now he's the one that does all the reaching. He's the one that accomplishes everything. But he's using us to do that. And everyone should understand what a privilege that is. If we want to bear fruit or If we want to be a vessel that God can use, we must remain in close relationship, in close fellowship with Christ. He's the vine. He's the source of life. God only cuts off those branches that are already dead. I mean, I don't want it to sound like God has a sickle and he's running around chopping off branches because they make a little mistake. That's certainly not the way that God deals with things. But he does this for the sake of the health and prosperity of the rest of the tree. A dead branch can never produce fruit again. And even worse, it can prevent other branches from producing fruit. Jesus promises that As long as we remain in him, we will produce fruit and remain in the Father's love. Now, that's not to say we won't go through a pruning process 
but we have the assurance that the only reason God allows pruning experiences is so that we will be even more fruitful. And by the way, in the Greek, the word for prune is the same word as cleanse. So we have to be pruned. We have to be cleansed, which is part of what we talked about a couple weeks ago. That's one of the steps. God wants us to have complete joy. He wants us to know that we are fulfilling our purpose. We are all works of art. A master potter designed us, made us, is perfecting us. As you journey on to become a vessel God can use, be prepared for hard times. But as it says in his word, keep the joy set before you. That will always, always keep you going. So I hope that this has been helpful and that um, it's given you a, a little bit of an insight into um, kind of what God requires us in very simple terms. I always think of things in very simple terms, um, which is why I was so affected by this particular book. If you have a chance, um, read the book. It is it's very, very nice. I have the information about the book. Um, uh, but I hope that this has helped you. I hope that um, I always enjoy anything in God's word um, because he gives us so much instruction as to how to live our lives and how to get joy and how to help other people. Be a vessel that God can use. It doesn't matter if you're cracked or broken. If God wants to use you, he will, no matter what your condition. All right, we're going to do something uh, a little different. Um, I actually don't know how it's going to work out because I didn't tell the people involved that I'm going to need their help. <coughs> but I need, uh, if they would, Judy and Rachel, can you guys come up here for just a moment to help me out with something? Oh, great. I didn't expect either one of them to move. Awesome. All right, so here, here is um, what we're going to do. If you guys did not get one of those surveys, um, Christy, can you wave? She's in the back. Grab the bulletin. Uh, while they are coming up and taking a seat, um, we are going to ask you to fill out those surveys because that's what we're going to talk about for like the next five or six minutes uh, before we close out our time together. We're going to wrap up everything that Patty has been talking about, and she culminated. Does anyone need to fill out a survey? Christy's got them in the back. If they do, raise your hand. She'll bring one up to you. Um, when we were doing our, our training, this is one of the questions that came up is why don't, you know, we were talking about uh, the focus of, uh, you know, equipping people and training them because this is what the Bible tells us that the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to equip the saints. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, now, if we're equipping them, it's not to just sit in here, as Patty has been saying. It's, it's to go out and use the skills and the gifts that God has blessed you with. Uh, so, but if you look at the survey, it, it's, it's kind of very simple. Uh, one of the first things it talks about are the top three reasons that Christians don't get involved in their local congregations. Uh, this isn't specific to here. Uh, you can look at Barna who does surveys and a host of other people who do surveys in churches. And if you take all of those information, which they're constantly changing, uh, these uh, three things come up as uh, the top three as far as why people don't get involved in their local congregations. And I wanted to just take a minute and address each of these things because probably uh, some people in here, whether it be here or at another church you're at or whatever, have some of these same reservations about why you don't want to get involved. Um, and I wanted to, rather than me just say it, I wanted to 
let you hear from people who are involved uh, explain why these reasons didn't apply to them. So to put some realistic faces to, Judy looks scared. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Some realistic faces to, to what we've been talking about. And um, one of the key things that, that Patty said that is key is when you get involved in a church or in anything, uh, she linked it to what you are passionate about. And even if whether you're working at a job or you're doing something ministry related, if you're doing something you're passionate about, even when times are hard and times get tough, you'll keep doing it because you're passionate about that thing. And I can remember when I felt called to go into ministry, I ran from it, but then I ended up at a church and my first step into ministry was clearing off uh, the tables and the chairs because instead of rows of seats, we had tables and chairs all over the place uh, so people could eat and open their Bibles and take notes and really get engaged with one another. Um, and it wasn't that I was passionate about cleaning, because I'm not. <laughs> I was really passionate about making sure all the chairs and tables were aligned just so. And the guys who were here after the crew cleaning last night saw that as I was trying to line up these chairs. And right now, like, my head is pounding because they're not. They're not lined up the way they should be. But if you're passionate about something, regardless of whether or not people engage in it, you'll continue to do it. So the first... Um, thing on the survey of the top three reasons. The first reason that people gave is they don't have time. And that's a realistic one. Kids, family, work, I don't have time to get involved in church. That's just another task that I don't have time for. So what would you guys say? Because each of the things that you guys do takes a lot of time, especially like the crew, because yours is seasonal, consistent, not just doing stuff here, but going out meeting with the homeowners, uh, and then trying to get volunteers, and then showing up to actually go out, including online work, trying to get volunteers and spread the word. So what would you say to someone that says, I don't have time to get involved? And actually, hold on, as you're getting ready to explain, I'm going to grab, can you turn on the black microphone so everyone can hear? What would you say to someone that says, I don't have time, my reason for not getting involved in whatever at my local congregation, whether it be here or anywhere, is because I don't have time. That's my legitimate reason. What would be your response? To pray and ask, I would tell them to pray and ask God to direct them that if God really wants them plugged in somewhere, then God will open up the doors and allow them to have the time. So if they really want to do it. They will do it. They'll do it. Yeah. What would you say? I would say get the youth involved. You can always force them to do stuff because they have some time. And uh, I would also say for time, because that's what I struggle with is obviously time management. But I was so blessed with so many great people in my life. They make time. They make time for me and make all these activities function, whether I'm here or not here or there or, you know. They come out and they meet me places and pray for me and everything. So God does, God really does bless, bless people. And, and it's amazing the time that you do find, even if you're so tired. And, and uh, yeah, it just, it's exciting to see too. Because I remember two years ago when we did the Beast Feast and we had canceled it for weather. And then the other church didn't know that we had canceled it, which I thought I made clear but they said you know there's a half a dozen of us down here waiting to uh start on beast feast and i said i said well the lord calls you gotta go you gotta go so (laughs) but you know and and it made it such a success that year so you're saying hey get other people involved Mm -hmm. to help if time's the issue depending on what you do get other people involved because they can help instead of you having to give two three four whatever number of hours the more people that are involved and the less time commitment mm-hmm. from everybody, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in when w- at least when I talk to most people, not just in this church, another church, and talk to pastors, this is one of the main things they say, they hear, people saying, I don't have time. And here's the reality, um, and I don't want anyone to get offended at me, but I gotta, I'm going to spit it out and I'll clean it up later. Here's the truth. It's not a matter of we don't have time. It's a matter of we won't make time. 
Because if you look at your calendar and someone says, hey, what are you doing next Friday? And they say, I want to have dinner with you. You'll say, oh, okay, you'll either write it in or pen it in or digitize it in, whatever you do, to say, I'm having dinner with so-and-so next Friday. But what typically happens is if someone says, hey, what are you doing next Friday? We need your help with whatever at the church or at the food bank or whatever. Uh, you'll say, I think I can make it. And the reason we won't write it in is because we're waiting to see if something better comes along. <laughs> I don't want to commit to this because this may come along better. So we don't write it in. We just kind of leave it open. And A, we either forget about it, or B, something else, anything comes along, and we say, yeah, that's the thing. I'm, ah, oh, I know you said, but I'm, I'm doing this now, so I, I can't do that. And that's where passion is the key, because if you're passionate about it, you'll make time for it. And one of the things that I've, I've, I've said to people is, hey, find the thing that you're passionate about. If you get involved in nothing um, but one thing that you're passionate about, God can bless that. Uh, for the sake of time, we're talking, I know, we're time, we're talking about time, so... Yeah. Um, the one thing on my end with the crew that when people tell me that they don't have time to volunteer, um, a lot of times it's they they do have the time. They don't understand fully what the crew is or what the crew is about. And um, so it's on my end, it's like a generic answer just to say, I don't want to be involved because I'm not understanding what the crew is about. And then once they keep talking to me about it or I talk to them about the crew and I show them pictures, I show them videos, I just will have a casual conversation. Hey, the crew did this, this you know, this weekend. It kind of strikes some interest because they learn more about what we do and then they will find the time. So clarity, bringing clarity to what it is, which, which takes us into the next uh, reason that people give. Uh, they usually say, there's no role for me there. This is the reason why I don't volunteer. There's nothing for me to do. My skills are this. And I don't see that on your list of needs or your list of ministries. And typically, Judy just answered it great. If you, when we explain, here's what we do in this and this and this and this, and people say, oh, well, yeah, well, I could help out with that. Uh, so what would you say to people that say, hey, um, I don't get involved in ministry-related things or serve on any ministry team or volunteer at any point because I feel like there's nothing there for me to do. There's not a role for me. Oh, I mean, I feel like my role is just to get everybody together and then they make their own roles and and it goes great because everybody has such different strengths and um yeah and i think that's why most of the events go um so successfully is because everybody does know their role and they know how to they know how to handle me and they know how to <laughs> handle what's coming up and uh and it gets exciting to see because people really do shine as soon as they get in their element and and I mean, I just, I just love just getting people together, and I'm very fortunate with, with everybody who does do their roles because it, it makes it so much fun. Now, the, the benefit of, of Rachel's role as community impact team leader is that we do so many different types of events. One's for us here in the church. Speaking of which, we have the great cookie exchange coming up. How many guys remember we had the cookie exchange last year, and we had like the cookie bidding war on how many dozens people we're going to bring. And so what did we settle on for this year? Well, I was actually going to start the bidding. I think it'd be fun to start the bidding wars because uh, it, it was a lot of fun last year, especially especially not having done it for the first time and seeing all the, all the excitement come up. And I just want to let you guys know, too, that uh, last year with the cookie exchange, we were able to take uh, not only our cookies to our families, but we were also able to take them to the nursing homes that we went to and also our neighbors. So that made it a lot of, a lot of fun. And I didn't think it would kind of spill over into that, but it did. And so uh, I wanted to start the cookie bidding wars at eight dozen if anybody wants to go higher. Do eight do, dozen? Do, do I hear like 10 dozen? Just, it's a nice round number. 10, anyone for 10? Is that a lot? Is that too much? Eight going once, eight going twice. Sold at eight. Sold at eight dozen. Ten. Wait, did I hear a ten? ten. I heard a ten. The bidding's back Can we open. Do ten? Everyone okay with ten? Ten dozen. Ten going once. Going twice. Ten going twice. I think it's biblically illegal to do a half dozen cookies. That's just mm. not cool. So ten dozen it is. Ten okay. dozen, and that's going to be November 18th, and next week I'll have a sign-up sheet, so then that way we can kind of make sure we're not getting a lot of duplicates. 
even though they were all so good. So if we do get duplicates, that's fine too. But we just want to kind of get a good, um, a good mix of every of everything, and it's going to be short and simple, like we did. Yeah, last it's a year, really right for those of you that don't know. It's just you bring mm -hmm. in your ten, or if you want to do an even twelve dozen, up to you. Mm -hmm. But your ten dozen cookies, and everyone brings in these different varieties, and we just exchange them, and everyone walks mm -hmm. away with this great plate of cookies, which is just really an awesome time and take it home. And that's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So you get to mm -hmm. share it with uh, your friends and the family. But mm -hmm. about the roles, one of the mm -hmm. great things about the Community Impact Team is because they do so many different styles of events, uh, people may commit to, hey, I'll, I'll help out with the Beast Feast because, you know, they have hunting friends they want to invite, but they may not help out with any other event we do throughout the year. But that's okay. Because if they're passionate about that one, they show up, they help set up, they help tear down, they help clean up, they volunteer. That's great. It's something they're passionate about. Uh, and one of the things that we continually hear is it's always the same group of people at certain events. And those are people who have found their role in that event. And like the same people go to the crew, the same people show up for Beast Feast. Uh, but here's the thing. When we do youth events, we do a couple of them throughout the year. It's always the same people that show up for those. And those are people who are passionate about, you know, engaging the youth. So I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the problem is when you have no people volunteering and no people showing up because they feel like there's not a role for me there. What were you going to say? Oh, well, I, was, I, was just, I was just going to say with the cookie exchange, and everybody knows that I don't like to bake, and that's definitely outside my comfort zone. <laughs> I got very blessed. Uh, so anyways, if I can bake. I, I, I definitely know everybody can bake, so so that was fun, and I still have pictures to, to prove that I, I did that one. <laughs> you didn't buy them? Nope. Okay. nope. We didn't find any receipts in your car, mm -hmm. so you're good. Okay, uh, here's just to go over the last one really quick before we close out. Uh, and my clicker's not right. There you go. Uh, so top three reasons. First, no time. Second, no role. And the third one is there's no need. Even if I have the skills or there is a role, I show up. And it feels like, and I've heard this over and over again, people tell me, ev you've got enough people doing everything. And that is so not true. That is like a lie from the pit of hell. Seriously, that is not true. We could never, ha if you're a Christ follower and God has put his spirit in you and you're not using the gifts and talents that that spirit is bringing out in you, then there is a need for you. And this is the beauty why I love Crossroads is because here, it's not, hey, these are the things we do, and that's it. you got to fit in. A lot of the things that we're doing is because people came up and said, we're not doing this. How can we make that happen? The reason we hand out coats is because I think it was um, Sharon that said, hey, why there are a lot of people downtown who don't have coats. There aren't people going down to give them to them. Um, why don't we collect some and take them down and hand them out? And we said, sure. We've been doing it for, what, three or, or four however many years now. Um, a lot of the things that we do are because someone said, hey, here's a need. Anybody ever watch Shark Tank? Wow. Okay. Awesome. And we're not going to tell you that I'm out. But what happens on Shark Tank is when they get involved and, and they find a, a product, they'll say, there was a need and you found an answer to that need, so we're willing to invest in it because it, it meets a need. People are going to need it. The same is true of God. Hey, there are needs, and if we're not doing it and somebody says, hey, we're not doing this, there's a need for this. I'd be willing to help with this. And I can tell you exactly what I'm going to say each and every time. Because if you come to me and say, you guys should do this, I'm going to say no. If you come to me and say, how can we do this? I'm going to sit down with you and say, exactly. How can you and I get other people involved in meeting this need? I'm not going to take it from you and go run with it. I'm going to put it back on you to say, come help us do it. Because it's not for us to do. It is for all of us to do. And, and out whatever resources we can throw at you to help make it happen, um, then we'll do that. But there is definitely a need because there are still, as long as there are still people that don't know Christ, which there are, as long as there are still people that are starving, that are hurting, whether it be emotionally, financially, physically, whatever, there's still a need. There's still work for the church to do. And that, that's why we're here. Um, so do you guys, what would you say to people that say that there's no, there's no need for me? You guys have enough people. Do you have, let me put it this way. Do you always have enough people helping out with the crew? Never. <laughs> Never. Um, but what's amazing is each crew workday, God always supplies the, the perfect amount of people. 
um, you know, we've never been, I'm gonna say totally shorthanded on a crew workday to where it's been crazy. Each workday, you know, might be different volunteers, different vol um, from different areas, either from church or from people I know or friends and fight friends, but there's always just the perfect amount of people each time. But one thing I did want to say whenever, because I didn't get a chance to answer the no rule thing, um, you know, I often get asked, you know, um, what, what, what skills, what skill levels do people need to help out with the crew? And I always tell them, well, you have two hands. Do you know how to pull weeds? That's all you need to do. Um, you know, if you have skills, that's perfect. That's a bonus for me. But we just need people just to help, whether it's pulling weeds or planting flowers or just put it, laying mulch down. You've got two hands. You can do that. Um, as far as no need, there's homeowners that are always in need. Somebody's always in need within our community. So have you have you ever had to turn a <coughs> homeowner away because we didn't have enough volunteers? Um, not fully turn a homeowner away. Uh, maybe we were not able to help them on the specific day and time that they wanted, but we were able to help them at a later time. So we'd have to reschedule them. We would just reschedule okay. them. Yeah. Have you ever had any event that we've done where you didn't have enough volunteers, or could you always use more? Oh, I could always, I could always use more. But I've like you know, from the beginning, I've been so blessed by our church family that I always, uh, you know, we always have enough people, and I, I don't feel like it. You know, it should be me up here, but um, I definitely know that everybody makes every event so special, and so, so I mean, every kind of. I think too. I, my most memorable memory last year with with um, the Beast Feast was just all the teens that you know actually came and ended up needing a role to help. And so, so yeah, always I'm always provided, and I have such a rock solid um, people that that help at every event. So I I always feel so blessed, and uh, and I'll, my needs are always always met. So let me, I'm going to close this out in prayer in a second, but let me just say this, because, again, um, I, I hear this a lot, and I'm not trying to, I, I just got to be honest, because uh, we, 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 are, we are small. I honestly think we're like the smallest church in the South Hills area, right? But, and I'm not trying to brag either, because I'm not doing it, but I think we accomplish more than churches that are three, four, five, or ten times our size, because we are willing to go out and do whatever, anything that needs to be done or any, any ministry that someone brings up and says, hey, there's a need, which, before I forget, Shirley just came up to me because we were talking about the, uh, the New York, you know, uh, the storm and how people in New Jersey and New York are faring. And we have all these coats in the back that we were going to take downtown on Saturday, but we just, I just found out today that uh, the fire hall is collecting coats. And she was like, well, can we just take those coats and give all of them all, our entire stash of coats, blankets, and everything, to have them sent to New York? Sure. Yeah, we can. Because there's a need. And it doesn't take any more human resources uh, for us to do that than it would take for us to go downtown. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to do with all of the coats, all of the blankets back there. And if I, I don't want you to feel cheated if you gave them specifically so that they can meet the need of someone in downtown Pittsburgh. Um, I apologize. I don't want you to feel cheated. Well, that's true. The, a lot of these people are without power. So I, d I don't want anyone to feel uh, cheated. And if you feel that strongly, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but if you do feel that strongly because that was your intent, let me know afterwards on the side, and we can pull some out and, and do that. But uh, there's just a huge need down there. We have a huge surplus of coats and blankets and stuff. Uh, it only makes sense to, to, to send them out. And I know people say all the time, we're, we're, we're stretching ourselves thin, but we're not. We're only asking you to do the thing that you're passionate about. Uh, and when we have a youth event, if you guys, you know, a lot of you guys don't show up to help out with that, that's okay. There are people that will and that do because they're passionate about it. Uh, as long as you are showing up for the thing that God has equipped you for and using the skills that God has given you, uh, then God is going to continue, as, as Patty was saying, he's going to continue to fill you. When you feel spent, pray about it. God will fill you up. God will equip you and give you the power to do what he's calling you to do. So, um,
Well, yeah, we are. We, we're, we're. Yeah, we're going to send a coach to them, but we're not going to not continue to do what we're doing here. We're only going to do what God allows us to do. I've said this from day one. God, if we want to do something and God gives us the resources, we're going to go do it. If he doesn't, then we won't. Uh, yeah, we're going to cancel Saturday um, because we're going to take all of those uh, coats and blankets and everything we have and get them to the fire hall so that they can send them uh, to New York. And If that happens, if God allows us to do both, again, whatever God allows us to do. But the, the key thing I think that Patty was getting across is that it's spending the time to hear from God what you can do, regardless of what stage of life you're in, what age of life you're in. Our tech team is run by teens, which sometimes is a little bit annoying, guys, but uh, praise God that they're back there <laughs> and that our sound is on and our slides, even though, you know, yeah, but <laughs> but praise God that they're involved because, uh, yeah. I mean, we may get a little bit frustrated at it, but here's the bottom line. Uh, our tech team are in church more Sundays than most people in this community, and they're up here hearing God's word. Praise God for that, all right? So I'm going to pray, and um, we'll be done. God, we just thank you again for just all of the human resources that you provide us to do your will. And like everything else that you give us, we pray, we pray, we pray that we are good stewards of everything that you provide for us. That we're good stewards of the volunteers that you give us. We don't ever want to turn away someone who you have called, who you have equipped, who you have filled, and have, you have sent here to do your will. Whatever we can do to come alongside them and allow them to do what you have called them to do, God. We pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see, to hear, and to experience that. And we pray that you would send more people, God. And we pray that we would never, ever, ever be in a position where we have to say we're not going to help either a person, an individual, or anyone in this community because we don't have the people. God, we pray that every time that we gather... Every time that we gather on Sunday morning, every event that we do, uh, everything that we do ministry-related, we do it out of the power and authority that you give us through your Holy Spirit and not to further any other agenda other than to exalt your name and to share and to show the love of Christ. God, we pray that you would be exalted with every aspect of everything that we do uh, in this congregation, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 amen.